0: Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you uh, for Jesus, and uh, uh, we thank you for the ways in which he teaches us uh, thanksgiving. Um, As we're approaching the holiday this week, uh, we just want to be a people that walk in and express thanksgiving. Uh, Help us to do it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen a couple of friends uh, ran each ran into each other in the community and the one friend was looking very glum and almost on the verge of tears and his buddy said to him what what is going on and he said well three weeks ago uh, I was walking down the road and um, I happened to find a hundred dollars just laying on the street and, and 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 picked it up and he says well that's a pretty lucky thing that happened. Why, why are you glum? He said, well, you didn't let me finish. He said, two weeks ago, a cousin that I never knew existed even passed away and left me $85,000 free and clear. And he says, well, that sounds like an amazing thing. Why, why are you so depressed? He said, you haven't let me finish. He said, and then uh, last week I played the lottery and I won a, a scratch-off ticket, a quarter of a million dollars. And the friend was really confused. He said, it sounds like you've been incredibly blessed. Why are you so glum? And he says, well, this week, nothing. So, right. Um, and uh, I feel like Thanksgiving is a little bit that way. My son, uh, Sam, up here in the second row, I think it would be safe to say you love Halloween. Yeah, he loves Halloween. And uh, Lila seemed a little freaked out by it uh, at one years old, that why is my dad dressed like a praying mantis? And... My mom dressed up like a butterfly, my brother dressed up, but Sam loves it. And I remember Halloween night was coming to a close, and he was just kind of bummed about the end of the holiday for the year. And so I was trying to encourage him, and I said, you know, listen, this is a really fun time of year where uh, we get to celebrate something new kind of every, every season. In October, we were celebrating Halloween, and uh, now for the next month, we get to celebrate Thanksgiving. And he was kind of like, oh, man. You know, like disappointed. And I find that almost every preacher feels that way when we get up to say, hey, today we're talking about Thanksgiving, that we feel like there's an audible, really? Right? you know, Because we know we should feel thankful and we know that, but it just isn't something that excites excites us. But I think Thanksgiving actually has the power to change and transform our lives. And that's what we've been talking in this series uh, the whole time about this kind of emotion and soul part of us, this part inside of us that makes us human. And I think the ability to express Thanksgiving is one of those parts of us that God created and put inside of us that makes us uniquely human we were created for Thanksgiving. And there are times where Thanksgiving is really easy. Your wedding day, uh, bringing your children home, the day of the big raise, when you get a report for the doctor. Sometimes it's really easy to be thankful. Some of you are in that season right now where it's just like, Thanksgiving's easy for you. Sometimes you almost have to, like, pull together an investigation, right, to find something that you should be thankful for. something that you should rejoice over. There are just seasons of life that are like that. But whether uh, it's a time where Thanksgiving is easy or it's a time where Thanksgiving is hard, I think one of the most difficult and disciplined parts of Thanksgiving is expressing it. All right? And, And there are two parts to Thanksgiving. One is the internal feeling of Thanksgiving, and the other is the outward expression of Thanksgiving. And both are important. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus or a story from the life of Jesus. It says, On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance (coughs) and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And they went and they were cleansed. One of them when he saw he was healed came back praising god in a loud voice he threw himself at jesus's feet and thanked him he was a samaritan and jesus asked were not all ten cleansed where are the other nine has no one returned to give praise to god except this foreigner and then he said to him rise and go your faith has made you well now, leprosy was a terrible disease. It was a skin disease where essentially parts of your skin would, would, would die, and, you know, you might lose fingers and toes overnight and not even realize it. And because healthcare wasn't even really what it is today, a lot of times you would be misdiagnosed. You'd have a rash, and you'd be diagnosed with leprosy, but you wouldn't really have it. But upon the diagnosis of leprosy, you were ostracized from your community. You had to leave your, your wife, your husband, your children. You, you had to go living, live on the outskirts of town in a, in a leprous colony. It was a tough disease to get. Imagine being separated from your family, separated from everyone you love, and you come in contact with Jesus and he heals you, and now you get to go home. You get to go back to work. You get to go see your children. It is very hard for me to believe that the other nine were not grateful. I just don't believe that. Their lives had been changed by Jesus. I believe they were full of the emotion of gratitude, but here's what's true in this story, only one returned to express it. And this is an equal, equally important part of thanksgiving. It is not just the internal feeling, it is the expression of thanksgiving. And I think that's true in a lot of our lives. So I want to challenge you this morning. Is there someone in your, in your, in a relationship with that you are feeling thankful for, but you have yet to express it, right? A husband, a a wife, a child, a coworker, a a friend. This is an ideal time of life to evaluate, man, I feel thanksgiving for this person, but I have not yet expressed it. And both of those things are important. So I want to encourage you to express your thanksgiving. Uh, out of 10 people in Jesus's story, only one return to give thanks, to actually give voice to his thanksgiving. And it's true in our relationships on earth that relationships, we, we need to express our thanksgiving to one another, but it's also true in our relationship with God. And we've been in this series of Psalms and of all the themes we've studied in this book of Psalms, joy, anger, passion, all that stuff. I think Thanksgiving is the most common talked about attribute in the book of Psalms. Um, so many psalms have at least an element, a verse or two, where thanksgiving is expressed. And so I want to walk us through some texts this morning, almost Bible study format, and uh, just, you can just kind of soak in these truths about God and about reasons we have to be, have to be thankful to our God, and then um, over the course of communion, we'll have an opportunity to express that thanksgiving to God. But I just want to show you some of the things the Psalms say about God and reasons to be thankful, all right? So here's, here's one, God's love for you never changes, never falters. And never ends. Psalm 136:1. One, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His steadfast love, uh, His steadfast love endures forever. All right, think about that for a minute. God's love for you never changes. It never changes. And I love that because I think that we sometimes believe that God will love us more if we behave and are righteous and that God loves us less when we are sinful. No, that's not true. God just loves you and it's important to remember that even when it comes to his commands and even when it comes to his discipline those things are based in his love for us god is love and he loves you when you're righteous and he loves you when you're not righteous he just loves you now it's true he wants you to live a righteous life he wants you to make good decisions he wants you to love god and love your neighbor but he doesn't want that so he can love you more Right? He loves you perfectly right now. He doesn't want that so he can love you more. He wants that because he already does love you. He already does love me. So he says, man, a righteous life is the best way to live. God's love never changes, it never falters. And if you're a parent or a grandparent, you get this. Because if one of your kids messed up, if they make a mistake, one of your grandkids messes up and makes a mistake, you still love them, right? You might be irritated, You might discipline them. You might talk to them with a little edge to your voice, right? But you still love them. All right, let me show you another one. God's faithfulness toward you goes on forever. Psalm 117. Praise the Lord, all the nations. Extol him, all people. For great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. I love this. We've talked about this before. But in church, we talk a lot about our faithfulness to God, about how we can be more faithful to him, and we should talk about that a whole lot. But this passage hits on it from another angle. It talks about how God is faithful. Let me say it to you another way. God keeps his promises always. All right? That when we, when we say God is faithful, that's what it means. God keeps his promises to you always. So when the Bible says, when God says that all things work together for the good of those who love him, he will be faithful to that promise. When God says that whoever believes in his son will not perish but have eternal life, he is faithful to that promise. When Jesus promised he will be with us to the very end of the age, he is faithful to that promise. Today, we can be thankful for our, uh, for our faithful God who is who he said he is and will do what he said he will do. He is faithful. He keeps his promises. Here's another one. God, uh, God is our God and he is creative. Psalm 100. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. Psalm 139 continues this thought. It says, for you formed my inmost parts. uh, when as yet there were none of them. How precious, precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. I love this. It's based on two truths, these two Psalms. God expressed his creativity when he made you, right? You, you are an expression of God's creativity, right? That, look at the way the, the Psalm talks about it. you were knit together you were fearfully and wonderfully made. It is God who made you. Think about your personality. Think about your gifts. Think about who you are. You are an expression of God's creativity. Your neighbor is a bigger expression of God's creativity, right? Right? They're not special, they're an expression of God's creativity, right? They are special, but you know what I'm saying, all right? Underneath of that is another truth, that God expressed his creativity in you on purpose. So your personality, your gifts, you were created because God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He gave you your passions. He gave you your personality. He gave you your insights. He gave you your background because he has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made for a reason. The person next to you, is fearfully and wonderfully made for a reason. This is one of the reasons, and uh, my my son will testify that we we talk about this all the time, that one of the reasons we treat every single person with respect is this truth. That every single person you are interacting with is fearfully and wonderfully made for a reason. Now, they may not be living out that reason but we still treat them with respect because God created them and God has a plan for them and God loves them. All right, here's another one. God is the best and truest antidote to any fear, Psalm 56. In God, whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? So I was talking to Scott um, a couple weeks ago in the office, and I said, man, I feel like I kind of missed it a little bit with this series. I said, because we're talking about the emotions in the book of Psalms, and I felt like the Sunday before Halloween, we should have been talking about fear. That's just a natural connection, right? And I feel like I kind of missed the, missed the mark on that one, but here we are. It comes back around for me, right? Um, And uh, the the Psalms talk a lot about fear. um, And I, I think it's an important message because we live in a culture where you and I are told to be afraid of everything. Be afraid of the weather, be afraid of politics, be afraid of wildfires, be afraid of war, be afraid of everything. But the Psalmist here says, I will not be afraid. And what is the basis of his courage? He says, what can man do to me? What can man do to me? Talked about this a few weeks ago, but men can take away some things from you, but there's a lot they can't take away. They can't take away your relationship with God. No one can take that from you. They can't take away God's promises to you and for you. Men can't take that away. They can't take away your hope and your joy and your peace. Those are gifts from God. So he says, why would I be afraid? What on earth can man do to me? All right, let me show you one more. God is a nurturing shepherd and knows just what you need. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I love his perspective on this. That God was with him in the green pasture, making him lie down. God was with him at the quiet waters, refreshing his soul. God was with him on the quiet path, guiding and leading the way. And God was with him in the darkest valley, giving him comfort. You see, in this psalm, one of the lessons of this psalm that I was thinking about this week is that in every circumstance, God is there. Right? So whatever you kind of resound with in this psalm, if you're in the green pastures, if you're at the quiet waters, if you're in the valley of the shadow of death, in every circumstance, God is there and knows exactly what the psalmist needs. He is a good shepherd he absolutely is a good shepherd. So I want to kind of um, close in a, in, a, in a different way. I want to kind of switch gears if you'll allow me, because it struck me this week that I think one of the interesting things about this is I was thinking about the apostle Paul again. I preached on him a week or two ago and about how Paul most likely grew up with these psalms that we were just talking about, that he grew up hearing them sung to certain tunes. He grew up hearing them taught about uh, by the rabbis of his day. He grew up maybe hearing his parents hum them as they, as they worked around the house. These songs uh, and these poems would have been a regular part of his life. Think about it like your iPhone today. All right, we have iPhones. Uh, we have Amazon Music on our iPhone. And so on a regular basis around our house, we are playing music, right? And some of that music is just kind of silly you know, descendants one or two, you know, just kind of fun, uh, silly music. Some, a lot of times it's praise and worship music. And what these songs do as we're playing them on our iPhone is they help us remember who God is and why we should be thankful for his presence in our life. Songs have that power. They have that ability to do that. The Psalter, the Psalms, was like the iPhone of Paul's dad right? They they were sung, they were reflected on, they were a reminder as they were singing these songs throughout the day and walking down the road, that they were a reminder uh, of who God is and why we should be thankful for them. So I don't find it any, uh, I I find it really interesting that that, um, Paul grew up with these Psalms and in his writings, he very often will write, it's almost like a Psalm of thanksgiving for the churches that he served. And right? When you read through Paul's writings, they almost do come off like a piece of poetry and, and a piece of music. And, and there's one in particular I wanna share with you, and it's because Paul had such a close relationship with the church in Ephesus, um, that the, he, he was there for about three years. There came a time where he needed to go to Jerusalem and he knew he needed to leave the, the church in Ephesus. And they said, no, we, we don't want you to leave. And Paul says, well, if it makes you feel any better, God told me I'm gonna die in Jerusalem. Like, no, that doesn't make us feel any better, right? <laughs> you know, and uh, so he was gonna leave that church and he was gonna go to Jerusalem where he was sure he was gonna be killed. Let me show you the, the scene here in the book of Acts just to kind of paint the picture for you a little bit. It says, when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much, much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again, and they accompanied him to the ship. He goes to Jerusalem. He ends up under house arrest for a good amount of time. Uh, He writes a series of letters called the prison epistles. Uh, while he's imprisoned, and one of them was to this very special church in his heart and his mind, uh, the church in Ephesus. And uh, to me, what I'm about to read to you, it almost reads like poetry to me. It almost reads like, like a song, parts of it, parts of it uh, do, but let me show you what Paul wrote to them uh, from prison. He said, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you The power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ Jesus from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And so I want to end this series on that note. I want to end this this series by not just feeling thanksgiving for this church. I want to end this series by expressing thanksgiving to this church. And we're going to go and we're going to have a party here in a little little bit, and I'm going to have the microphone for a little bit in there, too, and express a little bit more, even specific thanks. But I want you to know that I thank God for this church. Uh, When we came here um, uh, 12 years ago, uh, I was 30 years old. Uh, 30 years old and I made a lot of mistakes. So when I think about Northwest Christian Church, I am thankful for your grace uh, because I have needed it again and again and again. Um, over, the, over the last 12 years, a lot of things around here have changed. Some of those things have worked really well. Some of those things have not worked quite as well. So when I think about Northwest Christian Church, I'm grateful for your patience. Uh, I, I am. With God's help, uh, one of my goals here, I think we actually even talked about this in my, in my interview. One of my goals here is I wanna build a culture where it's okay to fail, but it's not okay to quit. Right, you know, and there's a huge difference there. And so I think we're building that culture here where, you know, if something doesn't work, it's okay. We're, we're going to go on and try something else and see if it works. So I'm, I'm thankful for your patience. Uh, I am thankful for your generosity. Um, I have been blown away by the generosity of this church the last two years. Uh, as of today, uh, in, a, in addition to our regular offerings, for now is the time we have raised $457,000. $281, $457,281 above and beyond weekly offerings. It is extraordinary, it is. And it demonstrates our passion and desire to reach the next generation and to create great environments for people to walk into. Uh, I told the story during Sunday school, but we had a wedding here um, a few weeks ago and um, the, the bride had walked in with a, a bunch of her like 20 something and 30 year old friends. And the friends walked in and they looked around and they said, what a great environment to have your wedding in. And we were just like, that's what we were going for when, when, when we started renovating this space is we wanted it to be an attractive space and, and make a good first impression. Um, I am thankful to God for your generosity to me, my family, my staff, and their families. Um, you have all been very kind to us, very good to us, and we wanna express our gratitude. Um, I'm grateful for your time that we have so many people uh, that have worked so many hours in this building, not just on now is the time, but just serving here. I'm blown away that you would give us your time. I'm grateful for your time. Um, I'm thankful to God for our leadership at Northwest. Uh, Being an elder is not easy. Uh, Our elders are the real deal, you need to know that. They are gracious, they are on mission, they love this church, and they love you. And I'm grateful for them. I'm grateful to God for our future. Uh, that I think our future is very, very bright. If we stay unified, if we stay on mission, I can't wait to see what God does. Uh, we're grateful for you. And I don't wanna just, I feel, I feel that a lot. I'm kind of, I feel a lot of things. <laughs> um, but I don't want to just feel my thanksgiving toward you. I wanna express it. And that's what, I, I wanted to end this series on that note that we, Cheryl, uh, me, Sam, And uh, Lila, I mean, I'm going to just speak for her because she can't yet, but um, that we're grateful uh, for your ministry to our family and your love for our family. And I want you to notice that the way the Apostle Paul does this, and I kind of took my cue from him, is it's thankful to God, right? I'm thankful to God for your patience. I'm thankful to God for your generosity. I'm thankful to God for your kindness because we believe that God is the author and perfecter of those things. So when we see something that we believe is from God, from another person, it's like, man, I'm thankful to God for your patience. And that's not, I don't think that's lessening it at all. I think it's honoring God and it's honoring the person that, man, God placed this inside of you and you're living out what God has placed inside of you. And I think it's a powerful thing. And the cross is one of the greatest examples of it. In the cross, we see all of these things that we can be grateful for to God for, grace, mercy, power, patience, and love. And then as we examine the cross, Two questions kind of emerge from that. Is One is, how have others treated me the way Jesus acted on the cross? How have others treated me that way? So how have others shown me patience? How have others shown me kindness? How have others shown me generosity? And we kind of reflect on that. We say, all right, I need to thank some people. I need to thank God for some people. And then the second question that flows out of that is, how can I demonstrate these attributes to those in my life? So how can I be more patient? How can I be more kind? How can I be more generous? And the cross gets us there. The cross gets us everywhere, right? This is why we talk about it every single Sunday. The cross gets us there. When we reflect on the cross, man, God's patience, God's kindness, God's generosity. Who who has lived that out for me? And who am I living that out for others, uh, toward others? All right, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for the cross. And we thank you for this time. Uh, called communion that we're about to enter into together where uh, we can just think about what you accomplished all those years ago. Think about what you accomplished uh, on the cross and uh, may we uh, demonstrate those attributes to others. May we recognize them in others first and not just feel thanksgiving but express it. And may we live that way and demonstrate those attributes toward others. I want to be more patient I wanna be more kind, I wanna be more generous. And when I reflect on your cross, when I'm empowered by your Holy Spirit, it gets me there, it helps me. So we thank you uh, so much for Jesus. We thank you for his example, we thank you for his power. It's in his name that we pray, amen. We're gonna receive communion right now and it's an opportunity uh, to express thanksgiving to Jesus for what he's accomplished. And that's what communion is. It's an opportunity to to express thanksgiving. And so uh, we're gonna receive two cups stacked on top of each other. One has some bread representing Jesus' body. The other has some juice representing his blood. And this is just an opportunity for you uh, with some some alone time with God to express your thanksgiving to him for what he accomplished. And then after you do that, begin to think about how can I live this out in other people's lives? Because Jesus invites us into that journey. Um, And uh, just hold on to those cups. I'll come back up in just a minute and uh, we'll receive it together as a church family.